Welcome to the Partnernomics Show, where industry thought leaders discuss the hottest topics in partnerships, ecosystems, and innovation. The Partnernomics Show is brought to you by Iolite Solutions, a product incubator specific to Salesforce. Now here's the host of the Partnernomics Show, Mark Brigman. Mr. Alan Adler, how you doing? Good checking Mark, in with I'm you again. Great. Hey, good to see you. Good to see you. Happy to chat. Man. So, Mr. Allen, first time that we've had you on the Partnernomics show, and uh, thanks for agreeing to be a contributor. Love all the My awesome pleasure. thought leadership you put out there, and it's good to have somebody to, to rap with about these awesome topics centered around partnering and ecosystems and this whole evolution. So, love the work you're doing, man. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be, great to be peers with you in, in uh, changing hearts and minds. So, Alan, if you wouldn't mind, I'd love uh, to just have you share for a couple minutes uh, for those that, that haven't followed you yet or kind of checking out the work that you're doing, uh, you know, Digital Bridge Partners, the, the stuff that you guys have done over the last many years. Share a little bit, if you would, about, uh, about yourself and your business. Yeah, yeah. So I've been in, I've been in partnering space for uh, more than 30 years and kind of grew up in the channel. And then about 10 years ago, I kind of started noticing that... Uh, the world of digital transformation was like reshaping everything. So I formed Digital Bridge Partners essentially to be a bridge to help uh, old guys like me who want to be modernizing their thinking to kind of like cross over into the into the born in the cloud and born in digital lifestyle lifestyle and 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 quality of uh, of execution. And so we're really excited to be bringing best practices and change management and strategy to the world. And recently we kind of launched this this thing, go to ecosystem. So excited yeah. to be uh, to be in the space love it man so we will definitely be uh plucking out a lot of different questions wrapped around go to ecosystems figuring out what that means just more broadly partnering in ecosystems and, and what this means so look forward to to wrapping with you many a time just starting with this first episode you ready to ready to jump in and play some ball let's do it let's do All it right. let's let me get the clock fired run. up so first question goes to you, Alan, and that is around mindset. Man, I, I love this part, right? It's success always comes down to people. So how well can we lead them? But uh, I know in a lot of your blogs, you talk about the, the, the mindset, but specifically the ecosystem mindset. But I want to ask you, I mean, what does that mean? And what's the importance of, of mindset? I love this, this prism or the kind of this view of what did the world look like five or 10 years ago? And it's, I mean, there is this big shift now relative to mindset. What does that mean? Yeah, I think the biggest uh, uh, change that took place uh, along the lines of the last 10 years was the realization that if you were going to bring a product to market uh, in the days of SaaS, you had better be co-innovating. And so the first and most important mindset shift is around the idea that there's now a group of companies out there who are already influencing and, and driving value to your ICP with whom you can co-innovate. And when you co-innovate with them, all of what has historically been this hard go-to-market effort is just smooth sailing. So the mindset is that on your way to your ICP is a group of companies with whom you can co-innovate. And if you do co-innovate, you can influence, sell, create customer value realization and drive network effects. And that's really the mindset shift. Customer, you, in between the ecosystem, that ecosystem is going to be your fastest and best way to sustain growth and valuation. I love how you're talking about innovation. I mean, I think a lot of times whenever people think about 
partnering. Most people, sounds like you, uh, grew up in the channel. All right, so they think about this very linear thing of how do I go to market? How do I sell my thing? How do I move it from one stage to the next in a very linear thing? But in the approach in, in ecosystems, it's so much bigger. It's so much wider. The opportunity is so much bigger than that. You know, the, the channel piece of just kind of transacting is what, maybe a third. I mean, it's definitely important, but it's really a small piece. But I think that's probably the new part of thinking about innovation, co-innovation. It's probably this new big world that people from the channel, I would imagine, are trying to wrap their heads around because a lot of them really haven't uh, played in that in that role. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. This. So when we look at the traditional go-to-market function that a partner provided, you're right. It was usually kind of only two things. was selling and maybe some value realization, classic value-added reseller, right? They sell and they value and they achieve value, but those are only like two of the six real superpowers of an ecosystem. So innovation is like number one, right? But then there's this emergence of influence. So, you know, we earlier I was talking about this concept of the group of partners that surround your ICP. We call them the ICP sphere of influence. These are the people that are, are that the ICP is looking to for insight, validation, new ideas. If we can't galvanize them to share their influence with us so that they bring us in. And it's literally like shouting from the outside of the tent, trying to get people inside of a party to pay attention when they're in there with their favorite people. And if they're not influencing their favorite people, you're screaming from the, the rafters. And of course, we know now what happens when we spend a lot of money on direct marketing and there's no more cookies and there's so much a bombardment. There's just not a lot of uptake. So influence has become even more important now than selling. And then value realization is still really important, but then we get all these cool little network effects that are starting to take place. And really the, the big mindset um, in, my, in my mind is that not only have we moved from partner to ecosystem, but we've moved from the partner leader owning everything to the CEO really being the true driver of the ecosystem mindset, if this is key, if the CEO can understand what that's about. And that's where, we now get our CFO and our chief strategy officer involved to start to go, oh my God, the ecosystem's not just a route to market. It's, it's a route to sustained competitive advantage. It's a route to value creation, to fast sustained growth and to unbelievable valuation. And that's the big mindset shift, right? That we're, that we're all looking to create. Yeah, I think in the, in the past we were thinking organically first about having our own products, building them out stronger, more capabilities, more buttons, more functionality, and then now how do we get more out there? But uh, uh, following in the, in the advice of Clayton Christensen, you know, disrupt your business before somebody else does. And so like exactly. you had mentioned, the ideal customer, what's we call it the, making the easy button bigger. But you don't have to do that just internally anymore. Actually, it's it's much, much more the, the smarter companies are leveraging the capabilities of other organizations. But it is Absolutely. it takes a different mindset. It takes a different mindset, no question. Thinking about yeah. dependence and interdependence first. That's scary for a lot of people. To your point, CEOs, you know, the big leaders on top, those men and women uh, you know, leading the organizations, huge shift. Absolutely. Well, I got one for you, Mark. Let's hear it. So, yeah. So, you know, along the lines of the channel being, you know, this thing that was out there to sell and now customers uh, now realizing that and vendors realizing that it's really about recurrence of revenue and lifetime value. Um, 
are most companies you're seeing kind of still stuck in this ACV mindset? Um, is that is that the best approach? And how, how can we harmonize the need for ACV, which would be net new, with the need for lifetime value, which is recurrence? What's your what's your take on that? Yeah, so I kind of cut my teeth and was raised in the world of subscriptions, right, in the, in the cell industry. And having churn was absolutely the biggest enemy. What could we do to retain? What could we do to retain? So it's all about retention, value add, doing all these mobile app, uh, all the mobile apps and stuff that we were putting on the platforms, my teams, to make them sticky. That's where this word sticky come from, uh, to, to keep them. And so, yeah, I think we're, we're starting to get deep enough into this space where it's, it's no longer the, the one and done. We know that that's not a sustainable business model. It's not getting that annual contract and then moving on to the next. It is about keeping them for life, customer lifetime value. But I think, you know, in the SaaS world, uh, having these subscriptions is nothing new. It was either annual or it was monthly, but it was trying to keep them going. One of the things that, that I'm so fascinated about now is seeing all of the other worlds moving into subscription base. I mean, right now you can get razors and uh, you know, all, of, all of these different products are moving more into a subscription model. My grocery store down the street, I can stand as a subscription for you know, standing uh, staples of food that, that I want and have it delivered you know, on my doorstep every Monday morning. And so subscription is, it's absolutely where it's moving um, and just a very different model, but just kind of like what you were talking about before, um, you know, it takes a village to do that. You know, in the ecosystem side, we have opportunities to leverage the capabilities, the influence of others uh, to make that a, a sustainable model and to make it sticky. Well, let, let's 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 push that a little bit. So, back in the day when subscription first showed up and cloud computing, you know, took advantage of the efficiencies of you know virtualization and whatnot, the channel kind of had a little bit of a, a, a consternation about the idea that vendors were now going to go direct because who has the paper? Who has who who has the customer support? Who has the data about? How do you harmonize a partner-first model with a vendor-driven service in such a way as to create a better outcome for the ecosystem when it seems like the services model could lead us to this very kind of like siloed approach, my service, this next service, this next service. How do you see it coming together from, a, from an ecosystem perspective if we're really gonna be partner-first and nail this lifetime value question? Man, I love what you had said earlier, and that is, um, you know, your ideal customer and what is the job to be done? What are they trying to solve? And I think it is having this broader approach of a solution that's not uh, linear or it's, it's not monolithic where it's provided by one, but it's where a component is provided by many. I mean, that is the definition of the ecosystem. So it's it's not one player providing the solution or a solution, but it's a, a network of partners working together to provide a holistic uh, solution that goes into that. And then that's, that's really what makes the ecosystem stuff super interesting to me because it's so much more complicated and dynamic from a relational perspective and from a leadership perspective that, that goes into 
ecosystems. There, there's a reason that ecosystems, you know, didn't exist in a, in a massive proliferation 20, 30, 40 years ago. Like it takes a lot more coordination to, to make those come to fruition than what the general kind of one-to-one -one approach did in business. Yeah, yeah. Do you think we'll end up with needing something like an ecosystem CPQ that can kind of like one place where all <laughs> these subscriptions can kind of be aggregated together and you have a single pane of glass that looks at all the different subscription and then creates those bundles. I don't know, I, I came up with that term a while ago. There's some interesting companies that are starting to, you know, kind of a new distributor, if you will, yeah. whether it's an app direct or an I asset, there's a bunch of different companies that are sort of, that are, that are positioning to be that kind of aggregation point for the ecosystem so that it's not this bunch of, disconnected threaded parts. Well, let's tackle that question on a future episode. I wanna hit you with another question first, and that is, uh, so go to ecosystem. And you've talked uh, you know, a lot about go to ecosystem in your different blogs and different videos that you're pumping out now. But the question is, you know, what is go to ecosystem and how does it relate to, or will it replace go to market? Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I'm kind of, I'm sort of into this. <laughs> go to ecosystem thing, as you know. Um, so I'll start with just a little bit of a of a history behind why we need a term. I mean, we've already got the term ecosystem. Isn't that enough? Which is something that uh, my buddy Jay McBain and I had a big long conversation about about on this debate. Uh, and he he said, uh, you know, famous eccentric quote, right? 76% corruption's happening, 76% in, in CEOs say ecosystem's the number one reason why. Well, we did a little survey to find out like, you know, what did what do CEOs think ecosystems are and and where's the C-suite on it? And what we discovered is that by and large, nobody really knows what this thing is. And if you really push them, it's like, oh, this new new word for channels, new word for route to market. So what go to ecosystem is, is an attempt to up-level the conversation beyond routes to market, beyond channels, to look at the questions of that we're talking about, which is as digital transformation reimagines business, how will this group of companies who surround our ICP iterate and operate? And how do we need to, ma to marry what we have with what they have to create that tribe that we're going to work together? So GoTo Ecosystem is really about that. And also the other component is that GoTo Ecosystem asks us to think about the strategic value of ecosystems, not the tactical value. We talked earlier about innovation, but if you really think about innovation and co-innovation and working with a partner to create value, you really have to ask this question, you know, are we simply selling products or are we moving toward being more of a platform? And as we move from product to platform, we get into business model transformation. So that's the other side of go to ecosystem is helping companies to, re to understand how ecosystems are business transformation engines. When properly orchestrated, they can change our business model. You know, Andrew, Andrew Chen in his great book, uh, Cold Star Problem talks about that the difference between a product and a platform is a product is a, a single set of features sold to a group of customers. And a platform often has a product, but it has a network around it. And the network creates the value. What is the network? The network is the ecosystem. So connecting the ecosystem to the business strategy and the CFO and the CEO, and then getting all the lines of business around to understand how they should iterate 
to create those six values of ecosystem that I mentioned. That's what GoTo Ecosystem is about. So uh, a holistic model in which we can help companies drive business model transformation and a next generation approach to go to market. So it's not just how do we create or sell different solutions, but it's holistically, how do we support the buyer's journey from A to Z uh, and do it through the lines of business? So it's not like you would have a, a partnering team or a partnering department. You actually have uh, these different partnering-minded professionals that are sprinkled all throughout your organization that exactly. are facilitating leveraging the power of partnership through all of those different lines of business. Yeah. Yeah. You're still gonna, you're still gonna need an ecosystem chief who is the grown-up version of the partnering organization, but that individual is a super matrixed individual. So yes, they're responsible for the overall ecosystem, but they recognize that there's other groups where the partnering professionals are sprinkled, the product, the marketing, the sales, the customer success are are there are, are essentially the lieutenants who have their own little armies who are going to do their thing. So like if product doesn't do their thing, then the integration strategy is screwed up. If marketing doesn't do their thing, then we don't integrate ecosystem qualified leads into the MQL process and develop a new funnel. If sales doesn't do their work, we have salespeople cold calling instead of using partner sales reps who can bring them assists. And if customer success doesn't understand that selling those integrations is going to lead to higher LTV and lower churn, everything falls apart. And so exactly right. That's what go to ecosystem is all about. It's this strategy and then seeming the whole organization through that ecosystem chief. So that uh, totally supports kind of the, uh, the approach and a lot of conversations that have had in the past about, I hope I don't jump into a long rabbit hole here, but, but the question was always the partnering lead um, is, is that like, so that the channel lead, is there a difference between like, or sales, the sales lead or the partnering lead? Are they kind of a similar psyche or is that kind of where it fits? And there's a Harvard study that came out, other studies that came out that said that the partnering world is actually very different. And actually the partnering lead is more like, is, 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 is like the CEO more than anybody else in the organization. I'm like, why is that? Well, it's because of this cross-functional matrix management of, exactly. of having, and, and that is absolutely kind of what the, the ecosystem chief would fit into that and really kind of the pedigree that they would need to have. We need to save absolutely. that one for another question because I think we could go on for like an hour on that one. <laughs> so, and that leads me to, and that leads me to my question for you, which is uh, a lot of people have talked about uh, my old Harvard Business School professor, Michael Porter, and his concept of sustainable competitive advantage. And uh, you and I were chatting about the fact that, well, what's happened to what's happened to competitive advantage? And, and how is competition changing uh, how we think about, or how do we think about competition over this next decade? And, and where is competitive advantage? So you have an opinion about that. I'd love to hear your point of view on how sustainable competitive advantage is, is changing. Yeah. And where ecosystems fit into that. Yeah, well, Dr. Porter, I think maybe 20 or 30 years ago, it, it was probably more real than it is today. It certainly is not a thing. I, there's no way. Um, I remember, you know, back in, you know, 
late 90s, early 2000s before the smartphone became a thing. And whenever there was a new initiative that came to town, there was this uh, kind of phrase of let's just wait it out. Right, give it six months, it will lose its fizzle, and then we'll just go back to business as usual. Those days are over, right? Yeah. And so yeah. going back to what we talked about before, it's all about innovation. It's all about providing more value to your customers. And there is no such thing as sustainable competitive advantage. The only thing that is sustainable, and I think you even mentioned this earlier, is, is your culture of innovation and your culture of constantly challenging the status quo and asking, what can we do to provide more value? I think from a competitive standpoint, it's not me versus the company down the street that's like me or me, you know, in today's modern world, the, the company like me across the world that provides what I provide. But I think competition is going to be viewed as, especially in light of ecosystems, we're going to be competing for a seat in an ecosystem, our company. Our company is going to be competing for different seats in different ecosystems. And we're going to be a good player in there, provide good value, provide harmony, provide good insights. We're going to be good to this marriage or we're not. And, and that question is going to be, who can do a job better than Partnernomics? Who can do a job better than Alan's company? And that's how we're going to compete. It's not going to be who's going to buy my software product or somebody else's. Yeah. Well, let's 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 push on that together. And so I would make an argument that ecosystems. Uh, so first of all, I completely agree with you that innovation and and remaining innovative is a is table stakes. The only way you can stay keep your head above your nose above the water is to continue to innovate, constantly questioning whether you got the right thing, constantly evaluating what you need, constantly keeping your eye on the next guy that gal that did something, so that you can make sure that you either do it or partner with them before they knock you off your perch. But I would argue, I would love your take on this, that ecosystems may well be the last bastion of competitive advantage. Your role in the ecosystem, your ability to be a good player, to be recommended by many others is actually sustainable. And uh, here's a data point, you know, people recognize that like churn and integrations are inversely related, right? As integrations go up, the number of integrations a SaaS company has the churn rate goes down. In fact, it's 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 rather dramatic, you know, to the to the degree that you can go from like 50% retention to like 90% retention with just a couple of integrations. So isn't that a good data point to suggest? And it's a rather tactical data point that if you do a really good job becoming a member of and orchestrating the ecosystem, that you actually can create competitive advantage. What's your what's your take on that? So can you create competitive advantage? Absolutely. That's the goal. I mean, if you have pricing power, look at Apple. If you have pricing power, you by definition have competitive advantage. But the thing is, it's not sustainable. It's, it's not, you're not going to be the incumbent forever. I think in the ecosystem, it's, it's incumbent upon everybody else to try to figure out the weak link. And if there is, to the extent there is a weak link, as soon as another company can provide more value to that seat, that that company will be replaced. Yep. Yep. So you don't think necessarily that ecosystems is the source of competitive advantage, is a, is a sustainable source of competitive advantage. Um, the ecosystem itself could be, but your participation as a company, your participation into an ecosystem is not guaranteed. Yeah, no, that's for sure. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. 
Mr. Okay, Allen. Well, awesome. That was great. It was so awesome to, to wrap with you. I appreciate you and your willingness to be a contributor to the Partnernomics show. And man, I'm already looking forward to the next time. Let's do it. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of the Partnernomics show. Don't forget to subscribe to get the newest episodes at thepartnernomicsshow.com. Special thanks to our sponsors, Iolite. To learn more about Iolite, visit iolitepro.com. And Partnernomics, the science of partnering. To learn more about the suite of Partnernomics courses, coaching programs, and consulting services, visit Partnernomics.com. See you on the next episode.